Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. I can already tell that this is going to be a good one just based on the Iron Man bobblehead that's currently on the screen uh, behind my guest on the shelf. Glad to be talking with author Dan Jolly today. Dan, thank you for jumping on and talking with me for a few minutes. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Before we get into any sort of questions or anything like that, I'll mention a couple of titles because I just want to immediately uh, speak to the range of what you've done in writing. So a couple of my favorites, and I initially mentioned like Superman Adventures and some of those, but doing more digging and looking around, you know, sometimes I'll read books and then not immediately connect to the author. Um Big Elseworlds fan, so J, J, JSA Liberty Files, if I can talk, Liberty Files, uh, huge, love that one, uh, as well as the Warrior series. I'm a high school English teacher. Once upon a time, I was a middle school English teacher, so I can't say enough about those books, but then also the graphic novel take on those books. Um Girl Who Owned a City, which is more the, the edgy YA vibe and uh, definitely a, a different take as well. So and I could go on. I could mention several more. And then you also do prose. You've done uh, the Grey Widow series and some novelizations and, and some things of that nature. So just mentioning those few, I, I could go on. This could be 20 minutes of me probably talking about titles just by myself. Um <laughs> So you, you've written a range of books for readers out there. And what I usually like to do is just ask about what connected you to comics, science fiction, and, and the worlds that you like to create in. Uh, that started with my older brother. Uh, my older brother and my, my father were both enormous science fiction and fantasy fans. Um, so, like, the house was filled with... Um, Robert E. Howard and Larry Niven and um, and H.P. Lovecraft. My my brother <laughs> he uh, he he started reading that, and uh, he's eleven years older than I am. So uh, you know, I was I was a little bitty when he was you know in, in uh, getting into teenage, and um, he would he he hid the H.P. Lovecraft books way up on the top shelf of the closet so that I couldn't get them. <laughs> because <laughs> he was he was convinced that it would give me nightmares and you know when i was that small maybe it wouldn't have yeah, um yeah but um yeah the uh the, the love of sci-fi and uh fantasy started immediately and you know i was there at age six seeing star wars which my older brother took me to mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then he went off to he went off to college and came home uh, on his first visit with a, a great big um, printer paper box filled with comic books. Oh, wow. And uh, he was not a collector. He was a reader. So these were not bagged and boarded. These were read and then tossed casually into the box in a big pile. So... Um, and, and he would do that about every third or fourth visit. He'd come home with another great big box filled with comic books and just give them to me. And so, you know, that's the, the, that's what started me on my life of crime, more or less. Nice, nice. A treasure trove. 
a treasure trove. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the uh, the first comic I ever read was an issue of Wonder Woman, uh-huh. where she was fighting the 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 villain. I believe he was called the Red Panzer. Nice, and nice. Uh, and that just blew my little mind, you know. And then I think the second one was an issue of Iron Man. Yeah, and you know, you you mentioned the the Iron Man bobblehead mm-hmm, because. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, many, many years later, I wound up writing the team novelization for the first Iron Man movie. Yes, uh-huh. I, and, I remember uh, that. <laughs> I, was, I was reading the comic book, the, uh, the Iron Man comic book, the, the, that first one. And I didn't realize it, but in that issue, uh, his boot jets had stopped working. And so he was climbing... Up this, he was uh, climbing stairs up the skyscraper, trying to get to some, I forget what. But then when I when I found an issue where he was flying, that just blew my mind even further. You know, I just mm-hmm. I thought he was like this 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 guy wearing like high tech sci fi uh, uh, armor, like a knight. You know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then oh my god, he can fly! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, formative years. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I had the the mental negotiation of realizing that Batman, who was one of my first characters that I connected with, didn't fly, had the cape, could glide, but not fly. Um, and fun story about your Iron Man novelization. I started teaching about the time that came out, like my first year of teaching was 2007, 2008. So right there when Robert Downey right. Jr. was was making comics very cool. And I remember, you know, you you do that thing as a teacher where you try to get kids reading. And I remember I had a kid in my class who, of his own accord, of his own <clears throat> agency, had gone and bought that book and was reading it in class. The only memory that I have of a student bringing their own book to class that year was the Iron Man novelization. And I, I'm all for it. I am all for it because I was one of those kids that read comics and then read the novelizations and all of those things too. So nice, nice connect there with the, the Iron Man as well. Well, yeah, that was the first novelization job that I, that I got. Uh, I've only, I've only done two. Uh, I <laughs> did that. And then I did the junior novelization of the movie uh, Transformers 2. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so when they when Harper Collins was like, "Hey Dan, you want to do this novelization of Iron Man?" They didn't they didn't say this is the teen novelization. There's also going to be a junior novelization and the regular, like for adults, novelization. Uh-huh. Um, they just said, "Here, adapt the screenplay." And so I got to read the screenplay like a year before the movie came out with a massive NDA. A massive, terrifying NDA, uh, <laughs> non-disclosure agreement. Which, uh-huh, you know. uh-huh. Um, so I didn't, I, I didn't write it like for a teen audience. I just was just writing the novelization, and they seemed happy with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I got, I got paid for it. Um, you know, went and bought a used car. Um, and uh, and then a friend of mine called me and said, Dan, I just saw the announcement that Peter David is, is writing the Iron Man novelization. Did you get fired? 
I was like, first I heard of this. <laughs> I already um, got the car. <laughs> I was like, I mean, at this point, I got paid and bought a car. So um, if they want to, if they want to ditch my manuscript and use Peter David's, don't really care that much. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But that was when I learned. I learned about like on the job uh, the existence of um, different levels of novelizations: junior, teen. Reg- regular, I don't know what they refer to the regular one as. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I did the I did the the junior novelization of Transformers two, and I don't I don't think they even read it. I don't think they read the the manuscript that I turned in because uh, I, I wrote it. I had like I had like nineteen days to do the the job. Wow, and um, and I did it and got no notes. Nice, no nice. notes at all. Only time that's ever happened. Yeah. No revisions of any kind. They just like, like, oh, it it exists here. <laughs> You're that good. That's what that means. Or they cared that much <laughs> about that project. Well, you mentioned writing for teens, uh, but just writing for adults, which I think is that's the best way to write for teens. I think. You know, I mean, you yeah, can try to yeah. like speak to that voice or experience or whatever it is, but uh, I think young people just connect with a good story. So I, I love that. Well, I mean, uh, the standards, like what you were allowed to do and depict and say and whatnot, uh, vary wildly. And it's just, it's set by the publisher. Mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. the publisher says is, is, is what you do. Um, I did a trilogy of books, uh, also for HarperCollins, uh, middle grade books called the the Five Elements series, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, which is a, sort of an urban fantasy kind of thing, um, and it involves a lot of monsters. And so I was I was like I wasn't pulling any punches with these monster scenes, you know. It was like I was I was trying to make it as as creepy as possible, and. Uh, and I was fully expecting them to say, now you have to dial this back. But it's mm-hmm. easier to dial things back than to ramp them up further. So right. I was just going all out. And I was, I was fully expecting to get a call from the editor like, damn, this is for kids. What are you doing? But no, the opposite happened. They were like, good job. Keep going. Nice. More like this. Nice. Uh, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then uh, my, my mom's sister. Uh, my my aunt Linda read tried to read one of the first books, and she was like, "Damn, this is too scary! I can't read this." <laughs> um, but but the kids that were reading it were like, "Oh, this is fantastic!" Oh yeah. So I mean, you just yeah, you, you're exactly right. You don't write down to kids or teenagers. You just you just tell them a good story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and bottom line is, sometimes everybody loves to be scared. Which is something that yeah. fiction can do in in a range of ways. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mentioned a couple of my favorites from your uh, range of created works. Do you have particular positive experiences, collaborations that you uh, look back on or would return to anytime? Um. Well, for like comics, comics is a collaborative medium. You know, you're you're on a team. Like um, unless you are um, what what a lot of people refer to as the cartoonist, uh, which is someone who can write and illustrate, you know, who can who can do all of it. Unless unless you are one of those uh, lucky people, which I am not. I have no 
artistic. I cannot draw, no artistic talent at all. <laughs> um, so if you're in my situation, then then you're going to be collaborating. And uh, and I've I've been really fortunate to be on really good teams. Um, the one of the very first people that I ended up collaborating with is an artist named John Madeau, uh, M-A-D-E-A-U. Mm-hmm. Incredibly, incredibly talented guy. And uh, he was he was working with me way back in the, the dawn of time with my, some of my first um, published works. Um, have to give credit to Tony Harris and Ray Snyder. You mentioned JSA, the Liberty Files. Yes. And, uh-huh. uh, they... That, that was the the illustrator, the uh, penciler and inker. To, to to those unfamiliar, which sounds like your audience is mostly familiar, but to to the uninitiated, uh, when you're doing a comic book, you have the writer who writes the story, the, the penciler, who does what it sounds like, uh, illustrates with a pencil, an inker mm-hmm. who follows the penciler and provides um, uh, definition and weight and shade, uh, a colorist who overlays color over the, the ink pages uh, and the letterer, which is the person who goes in and puts in the voice balloons and the captions and the sound effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as a quick aside, for anybody interested in becoming a comic book writer, um, I, uh, through various circumstances, learned how to letter um, because there, there were a couple of projects where we didn't have a letterer. And so I learned how to do it and, and did it. Uh, like Robert Kirkman lettered almost all of The Walking Dead himself. Mm-hmm. And if you if you can, as a comic book writer, I highly suggest learning how to letter because it'll change your whole concept of how the words fit on the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, for the for the better. Um, so uh, yeah, Tony was the uh, the penciler and Ray was the inker on Liberty Files, um, and. Um, the probably the, the biggest project that I did at DC was the reboot of Firestorm. Yes, uh-huh. which um, uh, turned the character into the the current incarnation, Jason Rush, uh, who has appeared in a few different places here and there, television, video games, mm-hmm. um, and um, the artist Chris Cross. Uh, that's C H R I S and then C R O S S. Chris Cross uh, was the first penciler on that project uh had a great time working with him and then he was replaced by jamal eigle fantastic talented guy can't say enough about and uh and then creatively not so much commercially because it got canceled a couple of times but creatively my my uh, the, the comic book project that's nearest and dearest to my heart is uh, an original thing that i created called bloodhound mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that uh, started started at dc and then I got the rights back and took it to Dark Horse and did the second volume. And uh, Leonard Kirk, Leonard Kirk was the uh, penciler on that, and Robin Riggs was the inker. Uh, Leonard Kirk is uh, a Canadian fellow, incredibly talented and um, super rare in comics. Uh, he is also incredibly fast. Um, the, the standard is you're supposed to be able to illustrate a page of comics in a day. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. way you get roughly one comic book per month done. Um, what often happens is it takes a lot longer than that. 
Mm-hmm. Leonard, Leonard can illustrate, Leonard can pencil three pages in a day. Wow. And, and they're beautiful, beautiful work. He is uh, an immensely talented man. <laughs> I was talking to him on the phone once and I said something about that. About, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a small group of artists who can do that. <laughs> He's dry as, dry as dust. He goes, yeah, it's more like a support group. <laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's uh, kind of like my, my Hall of Fame. Yeah. For, for comics. Now, that's, a good that's, hall in of main, fame. that's in mainstream comics. You mentioned the Warriors books. Mm-hmm. And James, James Barry. James Barry has done almost all of the, the Warriors manga that I've written. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's another guy I can't say enough good things about. Monster talent. That's yeah. a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that too when when you can find a writer in multiple places, uh, you know, school libraries, public libraries, uh, the comics shops, all of those places. I, I really like that a lot. You get to see your name kind of carry across those works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of nice. Like if I'm at a convention or something, I've got my table set up and somebody comes up and sees my name and they're like, well, now, are you the guy that wrote uh, the video game Dying Light? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, that, that's me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But are, are you the guy that wrote the, <laughs> the comic book, um, you know, whatever it is? Um, and yeah, it, yeah, the, 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 the cross recognition is nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious what it's like to write in comics versus prose. And then I have no concept of what it's like to write in video games. Like, I don't know if that looks like a comics page when you're writing or if it's a mixture. It varies. Yeah. It varies, again, wildly from project to project. Um, I'm really glad and really lucky that I learned to write in comics first. Like uh, writing comics is it was what I got started doing. Mm-hmm. And what I've discovered is that comics is one of the most rigid formats to write in. Um, like uh, when, I, when I was doing it, I think the standard issue now is 20 pages. But the standard monthly comic issue uh, when I was getting started was 22. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, you know that there are 22 pages. Depending on the artist you're working with, the number of panels on a page cannot exceed a certain number, mm-hmm. and that that also varies according to the artist. You know, George Perez, he 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 put sixteen or twenty four panels on a page, and it would be gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, like T- Tony Harris did not want me to write more than four panels on a page because he he loved doing big, beautiful, you know, splashy images. Uh-huh. Um, the the amount of word balloons and captions in a panel has to be severely restricted because you, you can't cover up the art. If you if you have massive word balloons and they're you know they're over the characters' faces, right? Like, well, what? Why are you even writing comics? You're writing <laughs> a novel. Can't um, can't be a prose novel dropped in on a a series of pictures. No, 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 no. That is that is doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, I learned to write within these very, very strict parameters. Like uh, comics, every every surprise needs to be at the top of an even numbered page because that's when you turn the page. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's your only chance to surprise the reader. 
is, you know, the, everything else, you, you have the entire page laid out all at once. And if there's an explosion at the bottom of the, at the bottom of the page, then it's not much of a surprise because that's one of the things your eyes drawn to as soon as you uh, have the page in front of you. I had not you turn, about you that. You turn the page and that's the revelation of new information. Ah. So, um, yeah, big scene transitions and uh, uh, surprises and stuff like that needs to be at the top of the even number of pages. So then I got into prose. Uh, the the late author Scott Cienson uh, got me into. He was the one who uh, liked my comic books, and he found me at a convention. He was like, "Hey, I'm doing a uh, Star Trek. I have a Star Trek novel uh, coming up uh, that that I could use some help on. Would you like to help me?" And I was like, "Why, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, I would." And that's as a freelancer. That's what. That's your answer to any any would you like to do why yes yes i would like to take that job mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't matter if you know how to do it or not yes yes i, I would like you, to do you that. figure, then you it out. figure <laughs> out how to do it um and uh i discovered that uh, I, I mean i had i had been writing short stories since i could learn since i learned to read and so i was like getting back into prose writing that um but uh but then I, I got into writing more and more prose, and it it felt so open and and free and luxurious. Like because I've been writing comic books for like ten years, and uh, and all of a sudden writing prose, it was like, wait, I can make my chapters however long or short I want to. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I can just I can have a character talk if it's interesting enough what the characters say. I can have a character talk for an entire page. Mm -hmm. Holy mm -hmm. cow! Uh, so uh, yeah, writing prose. I mean, generally you have a word count that you're trying to hit. Mm -hmm. uh, most 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 of my like middle grade stuff is around like between forty and sixty thousand words. Uh, most of my uh, independent like. Uh, I don't like the term adult fiction, but that's that's what it's fiction for for grown ups, not not for children. Right, right. Um, <laughs> that's those books are right at a hundred thousand words each. So that's that's your target. But however you get there, you know, then then all the restrictions are off, and it's just go be be a be a creative novelist type person. Mm. Um, writing for video games is much 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 more structured, and it and it depends. Sometimes um, you are writing in like what they call in the game engine, like the, the, the piece of software that runs the game, like the behind the scenes, the architecture. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and sometimes those have um, uh, a, a section of the, of the application that allows you to write directly into it. Sometimes it's more like writing screenplays. Like what they call cutscenes, like when the action stops and you see a little scene play out, and that's called a cutscene. Sometimes you can just write in like a uh, final draft, uh, like a regular screenplay. Sometimes you write directly into an Excel spreadsheet. Oh wow! Huh. Um, I did uh, a, a number of uh, Transformers games back in uh, the mid to late two thousands. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, every bit of that was written directly into Excel spreadsheets. How interesting. So it would have the, the character's name in one cell and like the kind of line they were supposed to be saying. 
and then the uh, and, uh, separate uh, cell and you just write the dialogue right there. Huh. Um, but I think learning to write comics first prepared me for that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, not only, not only is it, uh, you're writing into an Excel spreadsheet, but the scene has to be like no more than 90 seconds or stuff like that. And, uh, uh, or, or, or 60 seconds or whatever. And learning how to write in a very strictly regimented way prepares you for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and thinking about, I'm sure the visual part of it versus what's on the page. I, I know that would be a huge affordance too. Yeah, and um, that kind of uh, like that depends on the the kind of game engine you're using, the mm-hmm. the, te- the technical limitations. Um, like there, there's basically like two in general, two different ways writers can be involved in video games. Uh, one where you are a full-time employee of the game development company. So you're there at the ground floor. You're the one helping, uh, you're one of the ones helping come up with the concept of the game. You're there from the ground up the whole way. Um, the the more, common, more common way that I encountered um, is the game studio will come up with the concept and develop the, the game in general, like develop the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Make sure all the technical stuff works, uh, and like they'll they'll design like five levels so that you're in like one is a space station and one is an abandoned coal mine and one is uh, a haunted high school and one is an Aztec temple and one is a, a, a inside a volcano. I'm making those up, um, and they they make sure that everything works and they get all the gameplay functional and make sure that it's smooth and, and fun and at that point someone says hey we need a story uh-huh and so they call a freelance writer like like me and uh so then your job becomes to take all the information that they have and like bolt a story onto the existing framework of the game so that's that's kind of what i uh, did um on well it was going to be what I was doing on Dying Light, um, but uh, they because they they had a bunch of cutscenes already done, mm-hmm. but then the head of the company decided he wasn't satisfied with the story the way it was, and he he was like, "Hey, all you writers, pitch me ideas," and and he liked my idea, uh, so then he was like, "Okay, um, we need we need the new story." Uh, you've got nine days. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up rewriting the entire main story for Dying Light in like nine days. Um, wow. And uh, part of part of that, they didn't want to throw out the cutscenes, but the cutscenes didn't work with what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. part of what I had to do there is work with the animators, cut the scenes down, in specific ways, and then I had to write dialogue that matched the already animated mouth movements. Oh wow! Of the characters. <laughs> that's uh, that's quite a bit. That's a, a um, bit to think through. It was a challenge. Yeah, yeah. So I'm picturing you like freeze framing mouth movements. Um, <laughs> kind of, kind of, yeah. yeah. 
uh, yeah, just like okay, we've got we've got like ten seconds of this sequence here uh, that, that I, I have to get this this information conveyed. Uh-huh. Um, what what words can I use to convey that information that match the the old sentence that had nothing to do with this new sentence? <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. Um, as you said, as a freelancer, I, I'll do that. Yes, I would love to do that. <laughs> sure, yeah, and like. I was uh, I was living uh, in Poland at the time because uh, it was developed by a Polish company. So, uh, like they originally hired me just to to write some side quests. And the more I the longer I was there, the more I got involved. So I was I was there for three months and um, wound up like doing what I was just talking about. Uh, wow. I, yeah, I was I was like their I was like their pet American for, <laughs> for that for that process. You know they. They wanted to make sure that uh, all the English was natural, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then I, I wound up uh, suggesting that they bring in an, another like native English speaker. Um, so then he got to do all the side quests while I was doing all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was Jerry Brown. Hi, Jerry. Love, love the shout out. Love the shout out. Um. So as we're coming to the the end of the episode any current projects that are not under scary nda uh we mentioned some upcoming things dragon con being one of those and then any web spaces where people can go to learn a little bit more (coughs) excuse me um yeah you can go to my website which is Mm -hmm. Mm danjolly.com um that's uh with an e before the y in jolly um and uh, in fact, I need to update that um, because I have a new book coming out August 3rd. Fantastic. Um, I uh, have started writing a, uh, a fantasy mystery series. It's, a, it's a, an original high fantasy setting, but it's, um, it's like a, a series of, of detective stories. Love it. So, Love it. Uh, yeah, I I thought I had like a, a super original idea. It was like googling fantasy detective, and like everything is urban fantasy, and I'm like, no, I want to do a high fantasy, like swords and magic, mm-hmm. but with a mystery. Um, and I couldn't come up with anything on Google. I'm like, did I come up with something original? Wow. I went to Falstaff Books, and I was like, hey, I want to do this this fantasy mystery thing, and uh, the publisher John Hartness, he's like. Oh yeah, we have uh, three of those from Stuart Jaffe coming out next summer. Yours can come out after his. There it is, Jaffe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the the first book is called The Rune Master Homicide, and that is already out and available. And the second book is coming out August third, and it's called The Black Horned Grave. The Black Horned Grave. We will we will time this with the release. Oh okay, all right. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so you can read, uh, you can find out about those uh, and everything else I've done on my website. And uh, <laughs> it probably won't be announced by them. Uh, I'm lead writer on a new uh, video game project. Um, that, but I, that is under scary NDA. Yes, yes. Looking forward to, to whatever that happens to be. Yeah, I've been <laughs> working on it for like um, a year and a half now and um the existence of it 
got announced, but the creative team they're holding back. They're uh, like, no, 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 we 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 can we can uh, uh, make a needle out of the, the creative people on it with a later announcement. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, so I'm going to Gen Con and I'm going to be able to say yes, I'm lead writer on a thing that I can't tell you about. Yes, yes. You just have TBN. to take my word for it. It's it's going to be great. I, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> All right. Well, anything that I've missed that you want to make sure to mention? Um, no, I can't think of anything. There probably will be once we're off the air. But uh... Sure, sure. I can always uh, edit things back in, and I can always do a part two. I'm always glad to do that. Well, this has been a lot of fun. So, you know, anytime you want to do a part two, consider me available. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And always glad to talk with you and uh, glad to share about your work. Sure thing. My pleasure.